Welcome to the Art of Pilates podcast. I'm your host, Louise Torp from Torp Pilates. Let me help you live better through Pilates. I aim to keep you motivated, inspired, and informed with insight into many Pilates topics and awesome Pilates practitioners. If you'd like to engage with the podcast further, you can find me at the Art of Pilates group on Facebook. Let's start. Hi, welcome to the Art of Pilates. I have with me Amy Jayasuria. Is that right? That's right. Or better known yes. as Amy J. Yes. Amy is a yoga and Pilates teacher. She also does teacher training workshops. She's based in Melbourne. She's a mum with a three-year-old and she's a very inspiring person. She's done a, uh, retreats in the past. And so we're going to talk a little bit about Amy's retreats and how to organize a retreat during the session. So welcome to the podcast, Amy. Thanks, Lou. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. So Amy, just a little bit about yourself. So where were you born? Yeah, so I was born in Sri Lanka. And um, so I started um, being born in Sri Lanka. I was introduced to Buddhism. So um, then at that, from a very young age, I was introduced to meditation and um, hence my I guess passion and love affair, if you like, if you can call it that, began with meditation and then moved on to yoga. So I love everything, mind, body and the peace it brings as well. Uh, yeah, so my upbringings were in Sri Lanka. Then um, my whole family moved here to Australia. So mm-hmm. now I live in Australia. And so how did you get into yoga and Pilates? How did that all kind of eventuate into a business? I started off with meditation. Then I took some yoga teacher training and then... I thought Pilates and yoga go hand in hand. So I explored Pilates and then I, I actually really liked both modalities because I feel like they complement each other. And I've stuck with that. I, I like both modalities and I feel like that's helped me whether I've injured or whether I just needed to roll the mat down and kind of, you know, breathe or work on something specific. That's what I like about both. They're, they're non-impact and anybody can do it. And, um, and it's accessible to everyone. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I love about it too. And they are quite complementary because they're really, really different. Like I find yoga so hard to do, whereas I find I can actually do Pilates and you'd sort of think, oh, maybe it should be the other way around. But yeah, it's such a challenging thing for me. And also when at the end of a yoga session when you're really quiet and you're kind of like meditating, I find that really confronting as well because then I feel like, oh my God, I've got like all these thoughts in my head and it's like being able to find that inner peace I think can be really really challenging and I think it's really needed in this day and age when we've got so much going on in the world that's yeah I agree and 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 you're right like sometimes it is difficult when you come to the final stages which is a shavasana which is actually at the I feel like the best part of the class you have your good days and your bad days some days you'll easily get into it other days you'll have all these thoughts going on in your head but that's part of the process so the best thing to do is just sit with it and eventually you find that state where you can kind of let go of everything and really enjoy it yeah yeah and so coming back to the story of retreats and how you make a retreat happen when are you having your next retreat have you got that kind of in the in the um... in the pipelines yes so I haven't put out the dates yet so I'm still looking around I'm looking at Vietnam for my next retreat I've always wanted to travel to Vietnam and I hear lots of really nice stories about like the locations, beaches and everything. So that's where I'll be heading for my next retreat. And I usually hold a retreat in July, August when it's cold. Winter yeah, it's horrible in Melbourne. Melbourne. Everyone wants nice to get out. To <laughs> so um, yeah, that's that's the plan. That's where I'm looking at. Oh, wow. Awesome. I love Vietnam. I've been there once 
and it kind of has this feeling of being quite an adventure at the same time. So I guess that's a good thing about being a part of a retreat because you're kind of safe, but it's an adventure. And which brings me to my next question. Why do people choose to go on retreats? Like, yeah. Why do they want to do a retreat? Yeah, really good question. So it's a bit like what you said. It's um, So there's different groups of people and they do retreats for different reasons. So there's a group of people who like that idea of you're going to a foreign country, it's an adventure, but they still get to practice yoga. So it's kind of like a little yoga holiday. As you mentioned, we all lead really busy lives and we're always so busy with whatever else is going on with our lives partners, children, work, all of that sort of stuff. And it's nice to sort of take a break from that busyness and really switch off. So people come on retreats for that switching off. So they're not guided by or they don't have to look at their diary the whole time. They don't have to show up for appointments. So they just really switch off, eat yummy food, explore different places, make new friends and also progressing their practice or for some people it's their for, they've never done yoga and then their introduction to yoga is through a retreat which is great as well wow then there's other people who's traveling and they want to make new friends while they're traveling they want to indulge in some yoga yeah and it's good because it's kind of like an organized holiday like you don't have to think about too much and you can be a little bit spontaneous I guess when you're there as well but having that structure and knowing that you're going to become healthier at the end of it and just having that break, that mental break from just the normal stresses of everyday life, like to have that escape and then you feel so much better when you actually come come back to your busy world. Yes. <laughs> and what is your personal mission when you're taking people on a retreat? What do you really want for those people who come on that retreat? Yeah, so the main focus for me is to allow people to really let go and enjoy it. So like you said, everything is organised, so they don't have to worry about where they're going to have breakfast or what are they going to have for lunch. Everything is organised for them. All they need to do is show up for their yoga sessions. There's plenty of downtime. So that's all taken care of. So my main idea is that they actually restore recharge and relax so that that's like my key themes and I allow them to do that by there's lots of downtime they can do their own thing they can hang out at the pool or beach whatever depending on the location and at the end of the day what I want them to do is after the retreat try and take these feelings we create where you're relaxed and you know if you get a bit stressed then we give strategies to cope with it so I just want them to take them back to their everyday life and kind of cast their mind to how how would you deal with these stresses when they come up in their lives after the retreat yeah so they still take something away from the retreat yeah so that they're able to implement that and have better strategies for stress when they're coming back that's right and also to improve their quality of life so it's not always stressful so they they find that balance between work and life and they have a little bit of time um, downtime enjoy yeah. have fun yeah and so when you're organizing the schedule like because people are in that kind of holiday mode like, I guess you still want to have, like, this is a time when classes are so that people have that structure, but then they have the free time as well to do some of their own things as well. Yes, so that's right. So everybody knows what they sign up for. So I usually structure, there's a morning sunrise practice and an evening sunset practice. And so they're like my main two practices. And we practice for about two hours in the morning and hour and a half to two hours in the evening. And it's not a strenuous practice that includes your meditation, relaxation. If it's a yoga retreat, your postures or asanas, there's the pranayama or breathing, and then we do some mudras and things like that. So it, it is broken down to little pieces. So when you say two hours, it feels like 
daunting. So they know like they're giving me a commitment for that time in the morning and in the evening. Then there's the structured times for meals, but they also know they have three hours or four hours that they can do whatever they decide to do. So it could be they're heading to a day spa or it could be they're going into town to do some shopping or they're just going out to a nice cafe to have a chai latte or a coconut water, whatever it is that they decide. Yeah. Or I might organise a tour that the whole group does. So it's everything is given to everyone. So you know what you're signing up for. Yeah. People are generally pretty good if you know what you're what you need to commit to. Yeah. And so what is the scariest thing about organising a retreat? Yeah. So the scariest thing probably is getting your numbers. So it is a big commitment when you go, okay, I'm doing my retreat on this day. I've put a deposit for the venue and you kind of work out your budget and your numbers. And I think the scariest thing for me has been filling the retreat. So I've been really lucky. I've have filled all my retreats, but I always think about, yeah, getting the numbers, like getting my message across and... Yeah. Yeah. Getting those people booked in. Booked in. Bums bums on seats. (laughs) It is kind of like that. Yeah. Wow. And I guess it creates a loyal following as well for you when people book in. Like I imagine they'll want to book in for the next retreat that you'll be having as well, which is kind of exciting to build that following of people. Yes. And what what has been the most challenging thing about organising the retreat? Um, I think kind of coordinating all the logistics with it. So, for example, flight time. So people organise their own flights. That's that's something I let them do because people have different preferences with airlines that they, they want to fly with. And it's been that's kind of been the challenging one. So if a flight's been delayed, how do I get a message across to the person providing transport? And not major dramas, but that's always on my mind as well. And if someone falls sick, during a retreat, just making sure we have someone there, a doctor or a medical centre that we can go to. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. There are, that things I would not even think of. Like that wouldn't even cross my mind to be that organised, to have that, you know, on the agenda of like, you know, you have to plan for absolutely everything. Mm. And how, where do you find people to go on your retreats? Yeah, so usually they're people who've come to my studio who do sessions with me and then it's word of mouth as well or it's usually a client would come and then that person would bring their partner or a daughter or a son or they would bring a friend and then I've also had people who've seen my retreat advertised on the website and they've gone oh, I actually love to come along so a mixture of both yeah. so usually people I know through my workshops and classes and sessions I've done and then there's been people that I've never met Wow. Is that scary, having someone who you've never met come on the retreat? I think it's scarier for them more than me. Yeah. Um, What you'll also always find is one or two people will always know going on the retreat. Then there's other people who may not know anyone. Yeah. But it's amazing how quickly people become friends and they they kind of form a bond. To this date, we still catch up with people who've come on retreats. I'll often organise a Bali retreat catch up and it'll be like we'll go out somewhere for dinner or we'll catch up for a coffee. So it's amazing that kind of bond that you create and and you kind of become friends even after the retreat. And even like when you're going on a retreat, everyone kind of lets their guard down a little. So I think... It is easier to connect with people and befriend people and make people feel comfortable and welcome because, like, you're 
you're not in a work mode situation. You're not in your busy schedule of your life, looking after everyone else in, in your life. Like you're there, there for yourself. That's right. It's a bit of you time. And um, like you say, people are more relaxed. Probably the first day is people still kind of getting to know or get their head around the surroundings and getting to know people. But after that, they're usually pretty good. That's so good. And so who's your ideal client to take on your retreats? Yeah, um, I actually don't have a ideal client because I've had quite young people come in as well, like 18, 20-year-olds come on retreats and then I've had like the oldest had been like a 75-year-old client. Yeah, so they're in that age group. I don't really have an ideal person, but I I just say come with an open mind. Wow. So come with an open mind, be open to whether it's food that you get to try, whether it's culture that you get to see, um, whether it's if you've never done yoga, then be open to sort of practicing that and and also kind of exploring your practice. Yeah, so that's the main thing. Come with an open mind and be prepared to sort of, uh, you know, try a few new different things and kind of be out of your comfort zone as well. Yeah, and that's a real thing for growth as well. If you actually do challenge yourself and open yourself to new experiences, that actually is supposed to make your brain younger. So it's kind of like a bit of a secret to youth in a way by going on a retreat. It keeps you young. That's right. It's good that you bring that point. I was looking at some research that was done recently about what makes people go on a retreat. And one of the things the research paper was talking about, that same thing, that challenge for the brain. And if you're in a new surrounding, you're meeting new people, you're trying new things. So you kind of have to think a little bit and it keeps you fresh. We all have some sort of stresses in our life. Mm. So it's a nice way to recharge, like completely let go. Yeah. And the other bit of research was that if you were in your own environment and you know how sometimes you can go on a day retreat to somewhere, which is not far from home, yeah. and you come back, whether it's a day one or a couple of days, you come back and you're still surrounded in your own environment. But whereas you go on a retreat to a different country for a number of days, you get to kind of switch off and that's when you really start to recharge yeah and you come come back refreshed yeah so there's lots of benefits in going on a retreat as well absolutely and what is good about it as well because it, you are having this different experience so you are expanding your mind and you're keeping yourself fresh but also in a retreat you're actually in a very safe environment too so it's not so scary like it's, it's you know i was traveling on my own I'd probably be really hesitant to do that because I'd just be thinking, oh, I'm too scared. <laughs> yes, yeah. So I had the the recent, um, one of my recent retreats that, I, that we did in Thailand, I had one of a young girl. She's never travelled overseas, so it was her first trip overseas. Whoa. It was quite daunting for her, but she was quite thrilled that it was quite easy for her to make friends as well. And, and it was like an adventure and a challenge for her. She's never left home. She's never travelled overseas. Wow. Her first trip was a yoga trip. And like you say, it was safe. It was a group that was safe for her to kind of explore and be herself. Yeah. And even travelling was safe. So she had other people on the flight with her. Yeah. And often that would happen. So you'd, you'd book your flights and often people will book and they end up, there'd be always one or two people on the same flight going to the retreat. Wow. So even when you get picked up at the airport, you're not by yourself and you, you kind of form a bond because you start chatting to the person in the van or car with you. Yeah. Wow. And that's such a nice compliment to be someone's first overseas trip is your retreat. Yeah, it was really good. <laughs> wow. What most people do with their pre and postnatal clients is what they have been doing for the last 10 years, plus or minus a few exercises here and there. 
but you are not most people. That is a huge mistake. Pre and postnatal exercise does not have to be boring and repetitive. Book into the Torb Pilates pre and postnatal course online or face-to-face Sunday, April 28. Simply go to torbpilatestraining.com to find out more or call me on 0413 Six professional development points with the Pilates Alliance of Australasia. So what's the perfect number of people to take on a retreat? So for me, what I found is eight to ten works for me better. I like that number. If I do some partner work, I could always partner someone. And it's a it's a small enough group that I actually get to spend one-on-one time with them as well. And I feel like then I can give my time to everybody. Mm. So the other focus with my retreats is that personal attention that I give them. And if there's something that we need to explore, whether it's relating to their yoga or whether it's relating to something else I I can still give them that time I find that number works better yeah and do you find that do you actually get time to relax on a trip a retreat yourself because you're so you're putting so much energy into it and all the organization before the retreat like it's a lot of work it is a lot of work and I think like I love doing it so much so I don't look at it like work It, it can be daunting but I also make sure I do have a little bit of downtime so I would just give myself a little bit of time and whether I read a book or I go for a walk I have that time before and after sessions I'd often wake up before everybody else and I'll probably sit and meditate for a little bit before I go into a session same with after uh, we often have dinner together and people would often stay up and chat for a couple of hours I'd I'd, I'd stay but I don't stay for that long Mm -hmm. so I, I feel like I'm rested for the next day yeah 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 it'd be pretty bad like if you Stayed up all night drinking alcohol, having all the cocktails. Right. And, then, <laughs> and then you, you know, go, <laughs> where's our sunrise class teacher? Where's our teacher? <laughs> Not a good look. Yes. Um, and so what's your ideal time frame for a retreat? Seven days. So six nights, seven days, I find is perfect. That's just enough time to kind of enjoy a bit of a break, practice yoga, do a few visits to some really nice places, try different things. So I think a week is a good break for everyone as well. They feel like they've had a holiday as well. Mm. And often people would either come before the retreat and have a few days somewhere else and join me, or they'd stay after the retreat, have a few more days of a holiday and then go back. Yeah. And how do you find your locations to take people? Like, do you have to go there first? Like, how do you connect with the locations yeah so some of the places I have gone there first so I, I've, I've gone on a holiday and I've kind of explored places where I think would work and I try and look at places where there's a lot of attractions to get to and they're not necessarily too close but within you know we can go in a car or it doesn't take like a half a day to go or anything like that and also whether it's a beach I look for a really nice beach with lots of really nice cafes for people to hang out if it's in the mountains and I look for somewhere we still have that and some places to go for food and things like that or go for long walks so it's usually inspired by um, my own travels and places that I think would really impact people when they come on a holiday. Wow no, it sounds so beautiful like just having the like all those beautiful things like going for a mountain walk or something like that. It just sounds amazing. How do you work out the cost of a retreat? Because there seems to be so much of your own time and ideas put into the retreat, as well as hosting people while you're there, as well as paying for the accommodation and the transport to and from the the 
plane. So yeah, it is a bit of a numbers game. So there's all these costs, um, just like you mentioned. So there's the accommodation costs, transport and the food costs, as well as some re- retreats often offer um, a massage treatment mm-hmm. and then people pay for the, the rest. So I usually, I'd get quotes from everyone, then I work out how much is a total cost and how many people do I need to have for that? I'll allow, I'll often go, okay, well, this is going to, I'm spending this amount of time on the retreat. How much am I going to pay myself for my time as well? So it's kind of a bit of an individual thing as well. So you got to work out, it's based on the location of the retreat, which country you're going to, and of course the exchange rate as well. Yeah. So it's a bit of a numbers game. So you just got to sit down and work all those out and then kind of work out how many people do you need to get yourself to break even point and then whatever you get over and above is great. Wow and have you ever partnered or thought about partnering with someone else on a retreat or would you employ another teacher maybe to teach some classes at a retreat? Is that something that's crossed your mind or is it kind of like what... What's yeah, he- look, I'm quite lucky. My husband's a psychologist, so he often does wellness talks. So we kind of work as a team in that sense. Wow. Um, the topics we've covered is different personalities and how to deal with stresses and challenges in your life, how to build resilience. So they seem to be the topics that people are really interested in. Wow. So I'm quite lucky because he would often do some seminars and workshops. We would have one or two during that time. So that becomes my downtime. I have had have had a couple of teachers help me in the past. Again, it just depends who I work with and what the interest of the other teacher is as well. So when I've had a teacher, it's been good. I've had a bit of downtime and people get to see a different style as well. Mm. But it's worked well when it's been just myself as well. Yeah. I love the idea of your husband coming in because it makes it a very much family business too. And I think people are really attracted to that and then getting to know another side of your life as well. Yeah. And they also see a side where they don't normally see how we interact as well. Often they'd say I'm a bit bossy and, you know, but sometimes she had to wear that cap on because you want to get everyone. If you're going somewhere, everyone needs to be ready by a certain time. It's good because people like that. So it's a mind body that we're trying to. It's a holistic approach to improve your mind and body. And that's where my husband comes in. And then they have access to him during our retreat. If there's any any questions or anything they need to further explore, they have that one-on-one time as well. Wow, that is just awesome. It just sounds amazing because it really does encompass everything like because sometimes when you have a bit of time to yourself like for at a retreat you can end up thinking about things and then trying to work out a solution so if you've got someone there who can actually help you with that as well you can come back to your home life and feel more prepared or more strategies for just coping with stresses and enjoying your life more that's right yeah so you have that help so you don't have to do it by yourself yeah. And how do you promote your, your retreat? How do you like get the word out there? Yeah. So it's usually on my website and I have a Facebook page. So it usually goes on those. My clients get to know I do a bi-monthly, bi-monthly newsletter. So I'd often send it out saying to people, next retreat is coming up. Here's where I'm looking at. And I'll often get expressions of interest. Mm-hmm. That's been my main areas where I advertise. Then often people would forward my email on to any friends that they know who've and also people who've been on retreats they come I've had people who come three four times as well so yeah it's been it's been good doing it that way and I've had that people who've experienced retreats then they sign up for another one wow that's awesome and have you had any surprises on your retreats like just something totally unexpected that was just like 
just a big surprise? Uh, so far, no. <laughs> it's not to say that it wouldn't happen. Actually, the the only thing would have been the recent retreat I did in Bali, but it was just after the retreat, the recent earthquakes they had in Bali. So we were oh in my, Bali for that. Oh, so my that, God. That, that was really scary. I think it was just the last day, but everyone had left. I've never been in a situation where an earthquake had happened so that was kind of an eye-opener so that was a bit of a surprise oh my god and you had henry your three-year-old there as well yes so he he was, he was actually sleeping and and he woke up as well and yeah we just couldn't figure out what was going on so yeah we got told to come out of our villa yeah it was just surreal like standing there going what's going on oh my god oh my god i would have been so scared we were too and i think henry's a bit scared now i don't think he wants to go to bali for a holiday <laughs> That's why it's Vietnam. Yes, that's right. (laughs) Do you have a board where everyone can share photos, videos and comments after the retreat? Yeah, so again, that goes on our Facebook and also on my website. Usually Facebook seems to be the place where people put photos and tag themselves. And and we also do, we've done this pretty much every retreat. It started off with one of my first retreats that they would buy like a little journal in whether we were in Thailand or whether in Bali or wherever it is. And they'll start writing a few things that they experienced. And uh, we'd often have a photo of the group. So it's it's a really nice, oh, um, like a yeah. souvenir for me. And so I have those that they've actually prepared while without me knowing that they were doing it. Wow. Um, so that's kind of like our little go-to. So we'd often kind of look at it and oh, that's talk so about those. Beautiful. Yeah, it was it was really nice. Um, the first time they did it, I had no idea. I was like so touched. So it was... So they uh, created an actual journal for They you? created an actual, actual journal and they wrote, you know, their experience. And, oh, wow. Yeah, and somehow got a photo of all of us. And Oh, that's yeah, so beautiful. That is so beautiful. And do you do like surveys prior to the retreat to help with planning the agenda or do you kind of, is that just happens like when you're talking to your clients or like do you, how much feedback and input do you get from other people in sculpting the events at the retreat? Yeah. So I usually do like a survey feedback form at the end of each retreat. Mm -hmm. Then also conversations we have during the retreat help me shape retreats for example one of the things that came up was I used so sunrise yoga used to be 6 a.m in the morning and I found from the feedback that I was a little too early oh, so no. we made it 6 30 a.m so things like that I'd tweak it and um, and things came up about how they'd like to experience more of the cultural food so then that's prompted me to look for venues that sort of do the food of that place where we are at. So things like that. That helps me to kind of um, shape the retreats. Wow, that's awesome. And is there anyone who you wouldn't want coming on your retreat? <laughs> yeah, good question. Look, I, I kind of think, you know, if someone wants to come on a retreat, fantastic. So they they sort of have an idea. Oh, not so much of an idea. They probably want to improve some aspect of their life. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't say I don't, it's a particular person or a particular type of client that I don't want coming to a retreat so I think I kind of welcome anyone and try and adapt to whatever they need you kind of get to know people when they're there and how to tweak whatever you're doing or whatever the messages you want to get get to them yeah and often it is um people are nervous like you said so even though you make friends it's still a bit of a foreign sort of 
thing, if you like. Yeah. If you don't know anyone, you're getting to know people. Yeah, it's challenging. It is challenging. And I think it becomes a little bit more challenging if people decide they're wanting to twin share a room and it's someone they don't know. Yeah. So there's a little bit of adjusting. But yeah. after that, everyone usually lets their guard down and have a good time. Yeah. Because I guess the twin share is going to be cheaper It as is. Well. Correct. So. <laughs> yeah. So twin share is cheaper because you're sharing the cost as opposed to going, having your own room. Yeah. yeah. And so what's the best feedback that you've gotten from your retreats? Yeah. So the, there's been a number of things. So the best feedback's been how relaxed they've been and how organized the retreats have been, whilst acknowledging that they, they acknowledge there's lots of things that goes behind the scenes, but it's kind of been smooth sailing. So they, they've known what to do, when to do what, how it's flowed. And, and that's one of my themes. I like everything to flow. So from morning yoga to breakfast, so people are not sitting and waiting for a long period of time. The fact that they can also take some strategies home and whenever they feel a bit stressed or overwhelmed or daunting, they can kind of look back to things that we've talked about or practices that we've done during the retreat that they can use and how relaxed people were or have been then they've gone back home mm. so that's been that some would of the be really so good. beautiful to hear like just how people got so much out of it and you know it's just like also having that that could be maybe that person's trip for the year like that could be the actual highlight of their whole year. Exactly right. And for some people, it is their holiday. It is the holiday that they take for the year. If I can help someone to kind of become a little bit better at whether it's time management or kind of introduce a little bit of yoga to their daily life and kind of improve their quality of life, that that then I feel like I have achieved my goal in running a retreat as well. Wow, that's awesome. And so, Amy, thank you so much for today can you please let us know how we can find out more about you more of your retreats where do we what's your website where do we go yes okay so i've got two websites so you can find me at www.amyjaya.com so that's a-m-y-j-a-y-a.com or you can find me at thrive yoga and pilates so it's www.thriveyogapilates.com.au that's got my contact details my email addresses also there's a facebook page for thrive yoga and pilates so you can find information on my retreats workshops there's a couple of one day retreats that i'm planning in melbourne in red hill so the information will be up on those as well there's an email address so if if anyone's got any questions or anything like that they can reach out to me on those channels Great. And I'll put those contact details on my website with this podcast and the notes as well. So thank you so much for today, Amy. That was great. Great. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining me. If you've learned something awesome today, do a friend a favor and share this episode so that they too can learn the art of Pilates. You can book a Pilates session with me at louisetorbpilates.com. Don't forget, you can see the show notes in your podcast app or over at my other website, torbpilatestraining.com. So if there is anything you want more info on, check it out there. If you love what you hear, I would really appreciate you leaving a review. I hope that you've enjoyed listening and that you have learned some tips and tricks to help you master the art of Pilates. If you'd like to join our supporter community, you can do so at patreon.com, the art of Pilates. I hope you have a great rest of your day and enjoy Pilates.